Wallflowers. Classic, dulcet, smooth. Welcome. My name is Sean Barkley. You're at the well, and for the next 10 or 15 minutes, I hope this is like a cup of fresh cold water on a hot day as we dive into God's Word together and talk about concepts that help us to live wisely and faithfully in today's world from uh, God's time-honored Word. So I'm glad to have you with us. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I have to tell you right now, I'm full. Too much pizza last night. But something major happened in our area earlier this week. It's Saturday as I speak right now. On Monday night, which was Memorial Day, while most of us were sound asleep, there was a, quote, swarm of tornadoes that literally tore through the Dayton area. So if you're not familiar with uh, your geography of southwest Ohio, Dayton is about 30, 40 miles north of Cincinnati. And Dayton looked like a war zone. One person was killed when a car literally landed on his bed while he slept. Uh, hundreds were injured, millions and millions of dollars of property damage. It looked like a war zone. Our governor uh, declared a state of emergency all while 30 miles away, I slept, as did much of Cincinnati. It's interesting, in the aftermath, people in that area uh, around Dayton expressed gratitude for being alive. I mean, they were grateful. And they began to help their neighbors. Restaurants that had lost power marshaled their staff to prepare and serve meals before the food spoiled. They served free meals to the communities. These different communities rallied. And here's a thought I had. In the midst of all that chaos, there was a stunning presence of peace. Now, the dictionary definition of peace is something like this, calmness, the absence of conflict. But let's be real. How many of us live in that type of environment? I mean, how many of us live in an environment where it's totally calm, where there is just no conflict? I would venture to guess few, if any, of us do. I mean, as soon as we wake up in the morning and engage the day, there's something we have to deal with. And so here's the question to ponder for these next few minutes. Can you and I experience peace in the midst of chaos, in the midst of conflict and confusion and anxiety? Could it be that peace isn't the absence of something, the absence of conflict, but rather the presence of something? The Hebrew language has that beautiful word shalom. It's the language of the Old Testament. Shalom, which we translate peace, means to experience the fullness and wholeness of God, to be well, to be whole, and to be together. And so in the church I serve, I'm a Presbyterian minister, we share the love and peace of Christ. We greet one another during the service. And essentially when we say the peace of Christ be with you, we are saying may God be with you and give you wellness and wholeness today in the course of everything you're dealing with in the course of any conflict, any anxiety, any confusion, anything that's going on, may God give you wholeness and wellness. May you be together today. I was reading about peace and thinking about peace being the presence of something, and I started thinking about agriculture and in particular trees, and looked up the oldest tree, living tree, in the United States, and I found it is a bristlecone pine. 
in the White Mountains of California. In fact, some scientists believe it is the oldest tree on the planet. And the tree dates back 5,000 years. So it is a very, very old tree, a bristlecone pine. Now, how did that tree live 5,000 years? I mean, think about it. Was it sheltered from the elements? Was it protected from all the things that could bring it harm, wind, rain, snow, sun, all the exposure to those elements? No. Actually, it experienced the full range of those elements. There in the White Mountains of California, it experienced the wind and the rain and the sun and the snow. And it is in experiencing those elements that the tree has actually become stronger. The tree has grown and lived so long because it has, in fact, experienced those elements, and the elements have strengthened it. Psalm 92. Let me read a, a text for you. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Flourish like a palm tree. Grow like a cedar. Let me give you a couple of ideas from that text. In thinking about growing and flourishing and living a righteous life in the course of being blown about and whipped about by the winds of our culture and just by life in general. Have you ever seen a palm tree during a hurricane or a fierce storm literally bending over so that the tip of the tree is almost touching the ground? I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to see these trees just being whipped around by the wind. And, you know, you see these images on TV. I've never lived through a hurricane but there's all kinds of chaos around the trees. Debris is blowing. The tree is, again, bending all the way over to the ground. And as soon as the wind stops, the tree pops right back up. And what we have learned is that the tree is actually strengthened by being blown about and whipped about by the wind. And so I think about that with um, the trees that I plant. I love to plant trees. And I don't stake my trees when I plant them. Because I understand that when a tree is shook by the wind and stretched by the wind and the rain, it's actually being made healthier and stronger. And the same is true for human beings. Those of us who have weathered a major storm in life, I think, become more capable of weathering future storms. It strengthens us. Animals, what a great example. Animals that have been fed and pampered are far less able to survive on their own in the wild than others of the same species that have had to fend for themselves. So we have a dog. Her name is Sally. Sally is completely spoiled. If Sally were left on her own outside, she wouldn't live two days. However, there are coyotes and foxes in our area where we live that are on their own and they can fend for themselves, they're stronger than she is. And so the connection is when, when your life and when my life is rooted in Christ, we are given His presence that allows us to be well and whole even when there is a storm swirling around us. In fact, Paul wrote in the New Testament that perseverance produces a more right and close relationship with God. And so the first sort of idea from Scripture about peace is we experience the wholeness and wellness of God not when we are insulated from any kind of difficulty, but rather when we live through those difficulties by the power of God and by the power of the Spirit. 
And so there's another idea, though, from that bristlecone pine tree. A tree like that pine has deep roots that are connected to the roots of other strong trees. And together, all these roots form a system that allows them to be strong together. And the same holds true for that palm tree that's blowing in the hurricane, that's bent over to the ground. What happens is these roots intertwine and intermingle, and they make the tree stronger. And so the obvious jump is this. If you and I are not connected, then storms will wreak havoc. But if we are connected, then we can begin to experience the fullness and the peace and the presence of God. And so when I think about being connected, are you connected to your Creator? Are you connected to the one who has redeemed you in His blood? Are you connected by the power of God's Spirit in your life? Is there a spiritual connection? Is there a connection in your household uh, if you don't live alone? Is there a connection between spouses and siblings and parents and all the people who might be living there? Because if there is that connection, that is a stronger household. And so, obviously, you and I have to think about being a part of the body of Christ because our lives are strengthened when we are connected in a church family. Our community is strengthened when there is a connection there. The reason those people in Dayton are doing so well in the midst of all of this chaos is because these communities are strongly connected. And so in the church I serve, we do things together uh, that strengthen our bonds with one another. Like for example, we'll go to a Cincinnati Reds baseball game and we'll get a great big group of people from the church and we'll all go to the game together and we'll all have a good time together. The truth is we can as individuals go to a Cincinnati Reds ball game anytime we want. I mean, the stadium is almost always empty. But we go as a group because we want to connect with each other, understanding that our lives become stronger and we experience that peace. That's God's design for your life and mine. That's why he created the body of Christ, so that we would be all intertwined with one another. And so let me give you a takeaway as we think about peace. Obviously, understanding that when we have the peace of God in our lives, we can withstand these storms. Being at peace doesn't mean we avoid the storms. Rather, we go through them. The other understanding being that whenever we are interconnected with one another, we're stronger during the storm. But also, we have this from God's Word, and we'll go all the way back to the book of Psalms again. This time, Psalm 34, when the psalmist writes, Turn from evil and do good. And here's what I like. Seek peace and pursue it. Isn't that an interesting phrase to pursue peace? You see, in the Old Testament, the word pursue is normally associated with a, a person or a group pursuing after their adversary, pursuing them in battle, being in hot pursuit of a retreating army. And of course, the word peace is associated with wellness and harmony. But here the two terms are connected to one another, and there's a powerful concept here. When we wholeheartedly work for shalom, we are pursuing peace. We are called to work for it, to work to experience wellness, to work to experience wholeness where we are. It's not something we just sort of sit back and say, okay, let it happen. 
No, it's something that we literally pursue and go for. And so how do you and I pursue peace? Again, let's go back to the image of agriculture. I believe we sow good seeds. You know, we can sow discord in our household, in our church, in our school, in our community, in our place where we work. We can sow anxiety. We can sow the seeds of confusion. We can sow the seeds of doubt, sow the seeds of suspicion, or we can intentionally sow good seeds, seeds that lead to wellness and wholeness. And so I've got a philosophy of leadership, and I've been working as a leader for my entire adult life. And, but this philosophy, I think, can be applied to, to any situation, any family, any community, any place of work, whatever. But here's the philosophy. I believe that it is counterproductive to spend time pulling weeds in a household or pulling weeds in an organization, or in my case, pulling weeds or killing weeds in a church. You know, churches, families, we all have some of these negative things that that just tend to happen. And a lot of us, by impulse, just say, I just need to go eradicate that, take care of that, deal with that, kill that, whatever. And what I've learned over time is that I can spend all my time killing weeds and all my time putting out fires and pulling weeds. And what I've learned to do is just grow the good grass, to sow the good seed. And what happens is that good seed will eventually crowd the weeds out because the good seed has a deeper root system. And the weeds will eventually be moved to the edges. And believe it or not, the weeds, if you think about your yard, will begin to look out of place. And so what we're doing is we're creating a culture in our home, in our church, again, in our school community, wherever that place might be, We're creating a culture of shalom where shalom is the norm and the opposite feels strange and out of place. Again, thanks for being with me this morning at the well and let's let the wallflowers take us away. Have a great week.